Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. My guest today is a well-known real estate agent. He's a businessman and uh, he has a marketing degree as well, a master's marketing degree. Uh, I'd like to welcome Daniel Hopper. Hello. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. So you've done a little bit of research there. Oh yeah, I, I know about my guests before I get them on. Cool. I want to know. I want to know what I'm talking about. Um, so first of all, I want to know is how how you got into real estate in the first place. Um. Well, actually, I had a little ice cream business. It was a franchise ice cream business, which I don't think that was the one at the base. Wasn't yeah, it? I don't think it exists anymore. Okay. Um, so did you ever come out, or you just saw that in my profile? Well, I actually haven't been here that long oh, in right. Hamilton, yeah, so yeah. I've only been here a couple of years, so I cool. think it was a bit before my time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, I would have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Directly before real estate, so I was literally... So November and December were not too bad, so yep. I started in November, then it was go, go, go. I was like, oh, this is a great idea. Um, and then sort of Hamilton desserts over January for the, for the school holidays, everyone sort of goes away camping or goes to the mount to the to the batch and, and things like that. So in terms of volume of business from being that pre Christmas start of summer doing really well, like January was just tum- tumbleweeds. Yeah. Um you know, that I couldn't even afford to you sort of pay myself, let alone staff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and basically oh January wasn't, you know, that bad, but it got progressively, you know, and then it was a lot quieter than I sort of imagined. Um, and I was sort of positioned right outside the warehouse, which was a really high traffic, you know, sort of spot. Yeah. In that pre-Christmas. But then everyone's done their Christmas shopping and I think the last people thing people want to do is go into the warehouse after they've been in there when it's been crazy. And So, yeah, yeah well, I think I... maybe my location was also it. Um, yeah, but anyway, it didn't do very well. And then over those months, and then it was, I think, about, April, um, I was sort of looking at job ads and then get back to the point and then it was a real estate agent and I was like, um, it was actually for another company too and that was the first time I've ever thought about real estate in my life and sort of thought, oh yeah, I could probably do it. Because don't you have to, you have to do like an eight week course or something yeah, to be a real estate agent? Yeah, I think it, um, you, so you do an online course, I did it with I think the Open Polytech or something. And what um, what do you learn in that course? Um, so you basically learn all the laws, you know. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because as as time's gone on and more people have been ripped off by a real estate agent, they've brought in hmm. more laws and more, um, you know, much more of a standard. So the Real Estate Agents Act, and then there was in 2015, I think, was it 2015? I should know this. Um, there was an amendment. No, it would have been before 2015, because that's when I started. So there's an amendment which was sort of extra criteria that real estate agents have to follow. So we have to, you know, fill out all these booklets and do these little tests. And How they, many tests do you have to do? Oh, there was, yeah, I think eight booklets or something maybe. And then you just eight do a little... Booklets. Yeah, yeah. So you learn all the stuff and do activities and then um, do the little tests and... And then each year we have to do ongoing 10 hours of training just to make sure that we're still not ripping people off. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, after being in the industry now, I can see how it can happen quite easily, even if you're not intending to, because um, it's all about protecting the buyer. Right. Um, so, sorry, not the buyer, the, the um, seller. The seller, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So 
you know, it's quite easy to get an offer and you and you want to take it to the vendor and, and give them the offer. But if these other people have gone through the house, for example, and then they wanted to put in an offer, like if they and, and they didn't know and then they complained to the real estate agent authority and said, I didn't get a chance to put in an offer. I would have paid X amount. We get in the ship because, you know, we haven't got the best result for the property. Yeah, yeah. But is it because isn't part of it just pitting the buyers against each other? To- yeah, well, yeah, well. So I mean, that's what I mean. The whole thing is to protect and maximise the vendor's yeah. chance of getting top dollar. So yeah. that's what we have to do. Like, yeah. it's funny sometimes you read comments on on Facebook and I oh, play real estate agents just want to get paid more commission. When the real when the reality is, if it's fifty grand difference in price, we might get a hundred dollars in commission. You know, so it's not. It doesn't oh, so matter. It's not, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're not chasing commission because if it sells, sells, we're relatively going to get the same. Okay, so commission. that's just some myth that's kind of yeah, yeah, that we're driving prices. We don't want to drive prices up. We just want to sell the damn house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to sell it for a lower price, obviously, it's easier. So <laughs> you know, it's not easy to you know get top dollar and put on a big campaign and call everybody and you know put because ideally you do want to put buyers in competition because then yeah. you're doing your job selling the house and getting the best price. So. I did a bit of drone work for some real estate agents, and yeah, the amount of work that real estate agents have to actually put in just to sell one house mm. is insane. Yeah, sometimes it can be easy, like just right time and place, you get the right house, you put it on the market, so I'm by the, you know, within the first week, and you're like, oh, sweet. So how does it actually work? Do you just get allocated no, a house to sell, or no, do you no. put, go around? No, we have to get our own business, yeah. Oh, right. Yes. But like, what if, what if like somebody is standing and they see like, or they just walk past like lodges or harcourts or something and they're like, oh, maybe I want to sell my house. So they just call yeah, you. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. So it's not often you get a really easy lead like that, generally. So you might get a little bit of inquiry through the office. Um, yep. And so they put us on a duty roster two hours a day. So, and you know, you just, they just equal out the amount of duties over over the week. And so whoever get if there's an inbound inquiry to the organization through the office, like they call the office, they put it through their duty manager. Oh, I'll just right. sorry to the duty agent. Um, but more often than not in that scenario, you're probably going up against three or four other competitors because they've called all the officers in the area. So they'll oh. get Harcourt, so they'll get Lodge, they'll get Lugden, so they'll get maybe some from Ray White. because um, Hamilton has sort of three main companies who share about ninety percent of the market. Yeah. Yeah, like you know the two L's and Harcourts, um, but that's not very often you get that sort of lead. Um, more people do business with someone they've already met or who has been recommended to them. Or well, but, you're a well-known guy, so yeah, but not really a well-known real estate. Ad. Like I've tried to make myself. I've, I've, I'm more sort of well-known as the LinkedIn guy. As I yeah, am, yeah, yeah. Which we'll get maybe isn't always to my advantage because um, when people sell their house, they want a real estate. They want a full-time real estate agent who. Generally, they've met out there selling houses, so they've yeah, sold the house enough. to them previously, or they went to an open home and they, they did a really good job. So I get sort of probably more of my business through, you know, you meet a buyer, you might sell them something, and then you sell their house because we get a share of the commission if we sell the property to a buyer. Yeah. So the commission split in quarters. So there's a company share, which is then split in half, and then there's an agent share, which is then split in half. Ah. So there's a list and a sell. So yep. I can take a buyer out, show them some houses, sell them something, get paid. Oh, wow. But like when someone's selling a house, right? Like is there a specific- So there's an automatic quarter so that the the listing agent gets a quarter when they list, when it sells. Yeah. 
and then if they get the list and sell. So someone comes to my open home, they put in an offer, gets accepted, I get the list and sell. But half of the traffic through your house will be from agents showing buyers because it's basically 50-50. It might be a 60-40. So we do a 60-40 with Lugdens and, and Lodge and and then we do an 80-20 with some of the smaller companies because they do an 80-20 because they have to share most of their commission because they're not a big company, so they can't just give half of it away. Yeah, yeah, So then enough. we split the same back. But, you know, so Lodge Lugdens, if I sell a – so if I've got a buyer that comes to my open home, for example, or a friend – or someone I've done business with, it's like, hey, you know, I want to buy a house. Can you show me some houses? And I go and show them. You know, it could be 10 houses or you could show them 100 houses. You could take, yeah, well, could take remember, six months, could take a year, yeah, could well, take a couple of weeks. I remember when I bought mine, I was looking for ages. Yeah. It must have been like seven months, yeah. eight months. And you get some people like that. And it's hard. Yeah, so you and, might and show and them houses got, for six months and, and when you finally get paid, and, like, fuck. Well, like, and I'd tell the real estate agent, this is what I want. And then they'd still take me to houses that just look terrible. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. But like, how, for a real estate agent, like, if you get a house that, you know, it looks terrible, the garden hasn't been done, there's like stuff everywhere, like it hasn't been tidy. Yeah. Well, how, how do you go about selling well, it? Well, some, sometimes it's all relative to the to the value of the property. Um. So you could get something in a goodish area, which is an absolute dive, and it's only that cheap because it's a dive, but it's in a good area. And then in a lesser area, you get a better house. Right. And 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 some people would prefer to be in a in a better area. Um, so you know the best house on the cheapest street, as opposed to the worst house on a slightly better street, for example. Yeah, but what are the numbers usually? It's like if 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 it's a good house in a bad street. Does it tend to be way more people as opposed to a bad yeah? Because a lot of people buy on potential. Ah, oh, right. Mm-hmm. So if they've got fifty dollars or fifty thousand um, that they spend, you know, want to spend on it, you know, they have factored into their budget that they'll, or they might be handyman, or you know, son's a builder, or my dad's a builder, or someone's a builder, so they're going to help me build, you know, fix it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Um, because some areas like St. Andrews have some streets which aren't so great. But then you're still living in St. Andrews, so you can get a cheap house, probably comparatively to a really good house in this area. Yeah. Or even in, like, because, like, say Rototuna and Flagstaff, right? Mm. And it's, like, a really good area. So it's going to be, like, you would, it would be hard-pressed to find, like, a, a dive of a house in that area. Yeah, so even a dive is 700,000. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it's just a new because everything's been built. So you know there might be a f- few farmhouses in the area from the original days, but everything's been built since two thousand. Essentially, there's a few streets on Flagstaff which are a little bit older, but sort of Rototuna, hmm. Huntington started off in the in the nineties, sort of really took off. Um, Harrowfield was the really nice area before that. Yeah, if you know where Harrowfield is, sort of the other side of Waitangi Drive to Flagstaff. Ah, uh, yes, yep. Yep. So the big 80s houses and, and stuff where they do the um, Christmas lights and you've probably driven up there for the Christmas. Oh, well, you're not a local, so maybe not. Oh, I've been but they, here they a few do years. a big, they, like every house in the, in the area does Christmas lights. So like half of Hamilton turn up and you've got to park miles away and you walk through the streets and they like, some people are selling ice creams. Okay, and well, I'll, I'll do that this place year. To, thing to do over <laughs> Christmas. It's okay, Christmas man, t- sweet. I'll do it during Christmas. <laughs> okay. Um, but in terms of like, if a buyer comes to you and they say, hey, we want to spend... And, well, we don't want to spend over four hundred on a house. What would you be like? Would oh you be like? shit! You'd barely <laughs> buy a bit of land for four 
<laughs> Show them a two-bedroom unit. That's basically what they're going to get. Where are t- Is it two-bedroom units? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereabouts in town? Um, sort of Frankton has a lot of those. Hamilton East, sort of near the university. Okay. Um, when the council also rezoned, sort of, it's Dinsdale, sort of, you know, Greenwood Street where they have all the McDonald's and, and stuff, the main road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, behind that, on the way to Dinsdale, that area's still sort of considered Frankton. Oh, okay. Even though I always sort of thought Frankton is the other side of the rail tracks where the little township is. Yeah, yeah. But no, Frankton stretches sort of halfway towards Dinsdale. Right. So there's a lot. So they rezone that sort of 10, 15 years ago so then that they could build units on it. So now when everything sell, anything sells, essentially they knock it down and put in units because the land value is higher in building units and maximising what you can put on the site then, you know. Yeah, yeah. You Makes could buy sense. a good size section, you know, house and section for say four or five hundred thousand, which they can then put six, eight units, ten units on it. So Do you have a lot of buyers from Auckland? Yeah, well I think oh I just um was speaking out there. Outside the zone. Um Yeah, I think real estate, so real estate.co.nz which all the companies list yeah, through, yeah. you know, putting That's it, what I so used. it's there it's actually owned um I think through the companies, like a bunch of the big companies share ownership of the platform. Oh, okay. Um, so everybody puts their listings on that website. Yeah. So I guess it's sort of the competitor to real estate or to trade me. So anything listed in Hamilton through a company is automatically put on real estate. So where it's not doesn't automatically go on trade me. You have to pay for it to go and trade me. So that's like, anyway, a little lesson in. So they come and do their, you know, little spiel on marketing packages and stuff, which we can offer to clients. Most of the time we pay for it ourselves. Okay. Because it's a little bit of an expectation sometimes is to, when you're going in competition with four other agents that they're going to be like, I will give you a commi- commission reduction. We'll give you free video, free this, free that. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Competing so, with others. Yeah, so anyway, they come and tell us the stats and stuff every so often, and usually it's around 25% of inquiries to their websites through Auckland. Ah. So I don't know what how that equates to actual sales, but if 25% I, of a inquiry yeah. might be relative to 25% of sales-ish. Because I would imagine with you know the, the corridor between Hamilton and Auckland, you know, it's becoming more streamlined, Huntley Bypass will be yeah. done soon. Before we know. And Auckland's, you know, it's no, I call it, well, I went from being the city of sales to the city for millionaires, pretty much. Mm. Yeah, um, house has got a bit ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, because I'm originally from there. Right. And I moved here. And I know some other people who are from Auckland who are looking to do the same. Right. Yeah. So, I'd imagine, because I think when I had Andrew King on, he said that 40 people move here a week. 40 people. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, I saw the stat recently. Actually, I think he uh, spouted it off in some of his um, mayoral campaign stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, X amount of people per year because it's a quite a five thousand a year or something. Something like that. Yeah, quite a lot. Um, yeah, so we've got the we've got a very similar growth rate in terms of population to Tauranga. So we're and so I think we're slightly ahead of Auckland, like three point one percent a year. Whereas Auckland was three percent a year or something, so relative to, I think we those, were, the, were the top fastest three, fastest three growing cities in the country, um, and so our population is higher than Tauranga's. So our we're getting more, you know, at, more people. Yeah, but and obviously also, Auckland's, you know, we 
But the problem with like because Tauranga has the same problem as Auckland does. Oh, their prices are sort of. I think you're paying. Well, it's Auckland 2.0 because of well, you know, a lot of people move there and because of the beach and and it also mm. sits on two harbors as well. So mm. it has a lot of the same traffic congestion problems as Auckland as well. Yeah, yeah because it is so little bays are spread out and yeah, it's not yeah. like Hamilton where a, you know well, you got a big open piece of land that's right heaps of transport routes and even though that some of them are pretty shocking are you for an amalgamation of the different areas um what do you mean so like so like a super city well no because you know how Hamilton is its own thing and then you've got like, district well, it's, council yeah yeah so you kind of got you've got the Waikato district council you've got the Waipa district council you've got uh, what else? The regional council, the Hamilton City yeah, Council. Yeah, yeah. So, like, say if Cambridge, there's a lot of bureaucracy. Became, eh? Yeah, if Cambridge became part of Hamilton, for example. I mean, yeah. I pretty much view it as it like that it is because yeah, it doesn't take yeah, that long well, to get there. There is such a grey area because um, I had this conversation with someone who who was it? Might have been Richard Brooks, the CEO of Council. Oh yeah, yeah, um, I know him. You know about Tamahiti. You know, they, the most well-off people in Hamilton don't actually live in, the ha- don't live in Hamilton City. Yeah. You know, so they're not paying for the rates and and stuff. Yeah. Because you know, they're sitting within the regional council. Whereas every day they drive into Hamilton, live here, work here, apart from when they go home to their big house in the countryside, you know. So for me, it makes no sense that Tamahiri isn't part of Hamilton City so Council. So Tamahiri is part of the Waipa? The, nah, regional but isn't so they that, pay regional rates. Because there's like d- different district councils. Mm. Yeah, so like, Wiper, uh, yeah, what is, I think Wiper must be just outside that because yeah, that's that sort of Cambridge, Tiamudu. Because it just seems ridiculous. I mean, maybe this is just the Aucklander in me where yeah, it's just yeah. like one council. and just Yeah, well, they had this It makes convers- it all convoluted and yeah. complex. Well, and- they had that conversation about 10 years ago, didn't they, when they made the Super City? And that was the point that there was just so well, I think, many I think the downside bodies. is in Auckland, uh, when I spoke to Angela, is that funding is neglected in certain areas as a result. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's the downside. More things fall it. between the cracks because yeah. they don't have their own. But local. I know, but like I've got family and friends who live in Cambridge, and they said that the, you know, the Wiper district, more money goes into Te Awamudu than Cambridge because even though Cambridge is growing faster than Te Awamudu, the mayor is from Te Awamudu, so... Right, they distribute more. Yeah, yeah, which doesn't even make sense. Like, no. like say, Te Awamudu has, like, a pack and save, for example, um, but Cambridge doesn't, and Cambridge has, like, way bigger population to Te Awamudu. Yeah, no, it's it's... going to surpass Telpo soon, so... Oh, really? Yeah, it won't be long. Cambridge yeah, is going fast. Cambridge has, yeah, because I actually lived in Cambridge for about six months as a kid. <laughs> Literally about six months. Oh, it's a nice town. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it didn't ever feel like a big place, but we lived in Leamington, so I kind of was quite surprised how spread out it was because it does have such a small township and it doesn't seem to have those big shopping areas that yeah. towns, because every, I guess everyone comes to Hamilton, so it hasn't needed its, you know. Oh, it, and the expressway. It has the last sort of 10 years, there's been a lot more sort of along that road, the main road that used to go through sort of those takeaways and places sprout up along there but along the sides like the main street the i don't know maybe it's just because i'm hamiltonian i don't really know where other stuff is but it just hasn't really felt like it's that big of a place because that doesn't have the township but no you're right what is what is the population over there now i think it's like forty-five thousand. 40, no. oh well i think the last census had it like 
25,000 oh, or right. something. Yeah. I think Talpo's at like 30. So. Should I say only 30,000? See, that feels bigger. I guess because Talpo's in the middle of nowhere and it's a tourist place, it feels bigger. Because there's a lot of shops and stuff sort of right on there. Yeah, and I suppose most of them. Uh, I mean, like the big stores. like The economy yeah. of that place is from tourism. Yeah. Yeah. So. So there's yeah, probably and it a lot, is, of, and it is quite a lot of out-of-towners living there at any one time, probably, as opposed to just a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so maybe that has something to do, it, do with it. I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird one. So um, with with the type of uh, real estate that you do, what what's the price range that you usually um, target? Well, I guess I sort of sell a lot of houses sort of in the six to eight hundred yeah. sort of range. Because um, Hamilton's house prices are going up quite dramatically. Yeah, and I've never I've kind of tried to shy away from working the sort of investment market. Not shied away, but it hasn't been my my focus. Oh, I think that's like um, Kiwis. <laughs> because for <laughs> it probably sounds a bit terrible, but I just for me there's not the same attraction of doing open homes and you know, investment properties. <laughs> so I've sort of prospected because we get our business through sort of what we do. So I've always kind of spent more energy and stuff sort of prospecting the higher level of property up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've probably had a bit of luck as well that sort of most of my listings have been sort of seven, eight hundred thousand dollar houses. But when like because obviously when when someone wants to sell their house and they come to you, they're like, we want this price. Yeah, so are we, you usually well, are they usually like bang on, or are they are you usually like no, you'll get less or you'll get more? Um, well, we sort of yeah, I guess. And we how, sort do, of, how we, do you even work it out as well? Yeah, like, so I guess say so sort of. So generally, that we do an appraisal, right? So when someone sells their house, if it's a a lead through like a duty, as I mentioned before, um, when they've put you in competition, and and sometimes you might meet someone at an open home, um. Or so last week I had an inquiry off a listing that I'd just brought on the market. Yeah. Um, I actually missed out on that listing to a LinkedIn's agent, so I'm looking forward to seeing who that is. But and he, and, <laughs> and he said ironically, oh, you told me to go with the person that you trust the most. Yeah. So I went with my my friend or colleague who works with LinkedIn's, and I was thinking, and when you hear that, you kind of just think, oh, they're just wasting your time in the first place. They yeah. just want to get a second opinion on price. They're always going to list with their mate. Yeah. Um, Indian guy. Indians tend to sort of work with Indians and, and sort of... Oh, have, yeah, I'm in their... a relationship with one. I know how oh, they roll. Okay. And they have their big <laughs> sort of networks of family and, and, and whatever. So, um, so yeah, that was off a, off a phone call and he had, so had a lodge lugged in um, and myself look at his house. Yeah. And so what do you think it's worth? And so his situation was he had, was building through a... Um, I can't remember who threw, but a local building company. So he'd brought a section, was building, DJs or something like that. Um, so he needed X amount for his house in order to, you know, make that one work out. Yeah. Um, so he was sort of saying he needed this amount of money, which was probably to the higher end maybe of what it was worth. Um, so we'll give a range based on what's sold in the area. So say, for example, you've got a four-bedroom house in Rotatuna. Yeah. Which is the standard? Um, there's going to be another ten thousand, <laughs> exactly the same. Well, five thousand. However many houses is, there are. Is that, that homes.co.nz website accurate? Um, oh, there's a few different algorithms out there. How, how do they? So work? they kind of work on the same sort of theory as us, but they use less less 
nous, I guess, um, sort of human stuff that, that a computer can't replicate. Because all as... that looks at is stats, right? Oh, okay, right. So it will compare houses in the area to houses with similar features, four bedroom, 200 squares, 600 square section, whatever the house is, which is sort of, that's just sort of average. Um, so, what, so if, okay. And the rate, so it'll look taken to ratings, for example, um, and might they might have a, an equation for how they've worked out the value is, you know, it's 6% less than CV or more, or, or there might be some other way. I don't know. They all kind of work differently. Yeah. Um, but they don't take in those, you know, sometimes you get two houses in the same street with 100,000 difference in CV. And all else is quite similar. And you think, how the hell is their CV so much higher? Yeah, yeah. And it's sometimes just because that person's complaining your CV is too low, which you can do, and get it reevaluated. Um, or it might be on a gully, or it might be next to something which could add value, but not 100,000. So, um, so and is, sometimes, it, is, it, is it usually lower or higher? Oh, it depends when, because they update the CV every three years. So it just depends where you are in the market cycle. Okay. Um, okay. And then sometimes a CV might be exactly the same on two houses next to each other, right? Mm-hmm. But the algorithm doesn't know that one of them's a rental and one of them's had 50000 100000 spent on outdoor living and landscaping and new kitchen, you know. And you look is, at there, those... is there certain things that get spent on a house that actually don't actually add that much value to to it? Um, like what's the main things that add value to a house? Like kitchen, kitchen bathroom. Bathroom. If stuff really needs it, like if it needs a new roof, um, it might flow between the cracks sometimes, but then sometimes it might cost you 30 grand because everyone who looks at the house says, oh, the roof is fucked. We're going to... Oh, my, okay. my English. Um, no, it's all good. You can swear on here. <laughs> so, um, and so then, you know, they reduce their price 30 grand because they've got to buy a new roof. So stuff that really needs to be done, you just, you just do it because it's a bit part of being a homeowner and it might buy like, you, so if you if, and then if, And getting certs when you do stuff. Certs. Like permits. Oh, right. So if you've done something which needs a permit, don't try and hide it and then sell your house and think, oh, no one's going to tell. Because <laughs> like, some people do that, yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, here's a bathroom that's not permitted. It's got this. It's not permitted, and then price goes. Because then the the buyer knows that they have to have to either fix all that stuff or get a cert for it, and they don't know if stuff needs to be fixed. That could be why it doesn't have a cert because it's got dodgy wiring. Would, would you ever get a person though that you know someone sells a house with no permit for something that was done, well, and then the, the pro- person buys it, and then they sell it with no permit, and then it just keeps on like yeah, a well, it, effect. No, it's pretty hard to get away with it um, because we check the building plans and stuff because we don't want to get in the shit. And if we haven't disclosed that there's an issue and someone buys it, that falls on us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have to know our stuff. So if you go to council and you and you see that all that's at council is the original building plan from 1906. So the hard thing is that it wasn't a requirement to, to keep um, – Permits and stuff until no, I think nineteen ninety two. Okay. Um. So it's so stuff between that period is a bit of a grey area sometimes, and sort of people have the um mentality that oh you don't know whether it's got all cert or not, so don't worry about it. Um, but that's sort of going back thirty years now. So 
a lot of stuff has been redone. So if there's been something that you're like, oh, it looks like there's a modification done in the 1980s, we can't tell if it's been permitted or not. We have to disclose that. Right. And sort of most people were like, oh, fair enough. You know, we're going to renovate it anyway, so it's not a big deal. And usually it's a do-up. So sort of price takes, if, if it doesn't, we just have to disclose it. And then market dictates what something's worth. What about... But if we sell something we know has been modified without a permit and then it sells and they find out and then and they find out that we knew who we get in the ship. So that's why there's all these laws. Oh, you know, because right. you just want to sell it. You know, and there's been real estate agents in, in Auckland who have sold stuff they knew, you know, they knew there was a motorway being built next to it. What if there's a permit but it's not on the plans, like on the building plans? So that means it's been done since the original building plans. Yeah. 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 So all you need is a certificate that it's been signed off from council. Okay. And say 1994, new bathroom. Oh, yeah. You know, because they've got that paperwork. It might not have the plan change or something like that, or it might not require a plan change. So so generally we'll try and look at the original floor plan to see what the house was when it was built, and then we can tell, obviously, if something's changed. Does a garage add much to a house? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, most people buying a house want a garage. Want a garage. Yeah, um, some people, some investors don't won't care because they know they're just going to chuck a tenant on it. What do investors look for when they're buying a house? Sort of value for money, I guess. Yeah. Um, In terms of the return, I suppose on yeah. So what they're paying. You get sort of investor developers who who do a bit of both. Um, who sometimes might have plans to. So they might rent it out for five years until they can um, demolish it and then build an apartment, you know, might build apartments or something on it. Yeah, well, I've started um, to see that already. And I mean, I'm originally from Auckland and every time I go back up there, you know, there's there's like a space that's converted into know, like five townhouses. Because they like know that house. land value is eventually going to get to a point where it's worth more to them to develop it. And in the meantime, they're happy to take rental return if it's... Yeah. If it's so five percent yield is sort of the lowest that people generally go for. Yeah. Um, although for a new house, they might take less yield because it's a brand new house, and so now they're not going to have to spend any money on maintenance or anything for a long time, and they just get that income coming in, and then yeah. they know that rents will slowly go up, their mortgage is going to drop, so then the equation works out better. And if they've already got heaps of equity in their house and stuff, it's not such a big deal. But people who buy a lot of investment properties. Um, they generally look for yields. They might have some people want six percent. Some people might want eight percent because it depends on interest rates as well. When interest rates mm. are low, you can squeeze it more. But if interest rates go up, then that you know changes the whole equation. So potential to to make more value out of what you buy, whether it's a renovation or knocking it down, building something new, renting that out or selling it. Um. Some people look for flicks, something they can buy. <laughs> yeah, I've, spend, seen, I've seen some of those in like spend the media. Spend 50 grand mm. on it or spend 10 grand on it. If they think they're getting a bargain and they can add value and sell it for more and make money, then they might have a two or three month turnaround. So they might only want to make 20 grand, 30 grand on the property but yeah. because they've done it in two months. It's And it depends how many projects they've got going at once. And I don't really work that lot of, that part of the market. Yeah. Um, so much because that, that's a lot of established agents who have had relationships with these people for 
Yes. Do you want to do that at some point? Um, well, I, to be honest, as I said before, I sort of prefer to do, I guess, the family home sort of market is more sort of what I've tried to. Yep. Um, yeah. So how do, how do you apply, because you have a master's degree of mar- in marketing, Yeah. how do you apply that to um, real estate? Like, what's the yeah, difference see, between you and all the other real estate yeah. agents? Because you have a master's degree in marketing, yeah, and they probably well, don't. I'm better at marketing. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but but that, so that's sort of why I chose real estate, was because I sort of just thought, oh, it's just marketing houses. I didn't know the intricacies of the industry, it's, so it's more of a so sales like, job. As, as, as so you've the people who are really good at real estate are really good salespeople, who are generally yeah. shit at marketing, because... They're two very different things. People put sales and marketing in the same They're category. They're not the same thing at all. No, because sales is just one little aspect of marketing. So marketing is... Um, so if you use like the fisherman analogy, we they sort of say, you know, the, the wider your... Um, bigger your net, you know, the far you can throw it, the more fish you catch. Yeah, right. So marketing. The more people you reach... The, the higher better, your chance of catching yeah, more fish. The better the outcome. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then salesman is like the, the fisherman who stabs the fish. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It makes, it makes a sale. I don't know. Maybe it's a weird analogy. but Yeah, yeah. Um, so the sales is just getting it across the line. So turning the lead into a sale. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, it's hard to do anything that different really in real estate. You know, because everything we do is put through real, and you know, you could have the worst but marketing got, in the world, and it's going to go on realestate.co.nz. Someone's going to see it, and they're going to turn up to your open home. If they like the house, they're going to buy it. Yeah. So sometimes it can make a difference if you've got a difficult house to sell. You know, you might find that buyer. You know, I. I but I notice you use social media quite a bit. Yeah, so that's been more for a personal profile tool, because I. Um, Personal brand. So I use sort of LinkedIn more as a per- personal brand, and I, I put the houses on there. But well, you've you don't, get a, you don't get a lot of inbound leads through LinkedIn for a house. Um, no. But people know who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like the guy. But I, 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 I sort of yeah. But <laughs> I don't want to play to your a, ego too much. Yeah, but yeah. to an extent, <laughs> of that, and that's what I tried to achieve, I guess. So, so basically, real estate is a so it's just like a sales job. Okay, and I have never been that interested in having a sales job. I've never really worked in, I've had the odd sales job, but never. So the really successful real estate agents are not necessarily cutthroat salespeople, but the people who like love it. You know those people who just love sales? Well, the part and of they'll knock on doors all day and they'll make 200 phone calls But a some day. of them are pushy, which yeah, I don't yeah. like. But, but that's... But they, they have But to you're do one that. of a thousand prospects. They know that they can call the next guy. They don't care about building relationships and which you do. Yeah, I see. I see that doesn't excite me to make fifty phone calls a day from. That'd be tedious. Prospects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and boring, I, and you might get abused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> occasionally it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. When you sit down and call people, more often than not they're friendly. But for me, it was yeah, kind of hard to get out of that mind fuck because I hate salespeople. <laughs> like I walk up, you know, there's people selling stuff, you know, in the street trying to get you to sign up oh, because yeah, in Africa yeah. and hate some of them are really pushy and people in um, malls selling. There was some of them selling makeup and stuff for a while. You walk down and some good looking Middle Eastern woman would come over and try and sell you, 
I can't remember what the brand was called, but they actually got in trouble because of their hardcore approaches that the girls would just get in your face and would, were obviously flirty and trying to sign you up for the $80 make a uh, skim cre- skin well, cream and, and stuff like that. Works on and, the week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's that's been something I've tried to avoid. Um, so that's why I sort of did LinkedIn. And a lot of agents, when I first started doing it, like, fuck, why are you always on LinkedIn? Just go make some phone calls. And so for me, it was kind of a test of whether I could use marketing to become well-known. And so I... Because well, I think it has LinkedIn worked. LinkedIn was because... only in the very sort of early stage of becoming popular. Like, in the last three or four years, it's come a long way. Um, yeah, yeah. Totally. Since video came. So video wasn't even on LinkedIn back then. Mm. So it used to, I've been on LinkedIn since about 2010. So when it was originally, I used it as like an information tool when I was doing... So I heard it came out because Facebook was huge. I was like, oh, what's this LinkedIn thing? Oh, it's like an online CV. I might as well, because I was just finishing my degree. Yeah, yeah. Like, I might as well go on there. But then I noticed you could um, I yep. noticed you could look for articles about stuff. There was, it was like a sort of an article hub, this thing called LinkedIn Pulse. Where you, you know how you well, I've, seen, I've seen, Yeah, I've seen some of your articles. I saw yeah. your recent one on the uh, Tiawa Lakes. The lakes, right. Yeah, so LinkedIn used to be just articles and CVs. So the the homepage literally was just articles of stuff and you could search for marketing articles and search for and then they moved away from that more into hardcore networking. I guess it wasn't really taking well, off. Well it's it's taken on a similar it was approach more to of like a niche Facebook market. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, now. exactly. So once it became more like Facebook but for professional uh, professional people. So that's how I sort of refer to it, like LinkedIn for professional people without the cat photos and family shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, no offense to people who like posting millions of family oh, stuff. Oh, people but, want to do that. They want to do that. Um, but for me, it was, it was on... far more interesting for me to be on LinkedIn than it was on, on Facebook. Yeah, well, um, you're quite active and, on and I Yeah, and I just sort of thought, well, that sort of developed over time. Um, so I was sort of, I guess, one of the early people locally to be posting content. Um, like Chris Simpson was another one. Yeah. Um, and he he's not way more famous than me. Um, famous <laughs> <laughs> we all aspire to be Chris Simpson um, yeah so I just so that was sort of a thing for me I, I sort of just thought one day if I was choosing a real estate agent you know what characteristics would I be looking for and I sort of thought number one someone who understands the local market and what's sort of happening in the city Yeah. so I thought Okay, I'll start posting content about what's happening in Hamilton. And it just did really well. Like I had one, my first sort of post that got over 100 likes. Um, I think it got like 150, 200 likes or something like that. And then it got, and this was back when you could get mega reach. It's sort of cut back over the last couple of years because there's a lot more active people. So you don't stand out as much. But I had some posts that had like 50, 100,000 views and I just thought, I mean, a lot of them obviously from might be from overseas or Auckland, and like there was one I did about the rail when the when the news first came out about the rail network between oh, Hamilton bit, and Auckland. Well, it's like a it's part of a larger larger yeah, machine yeah. to be perfectly yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. The, the commuter rail. So when the first well, was first announced um, about the commuter, I think it was just a proposal at that stage. I think it was before Labor came in and actually took it on board. Yeah, and, well, Labor are more um, for public transport. So than it was an, so it was yeah. So it was literally I saw an article about this new Hamilton-Auckland commuter rail, you know, read the article, took 
snippets of information out, turned it into a post, which is just what I do. So there's no rocket science to <laughs> sort of what I do. Just on take LinkedIn. the good bits. I just yeah, so that was my strategy to start with was just what's happening in Happle, Google Google every few days Hamilton or Waikato. Oh, that's an interesting article. People want to know about that. I'm a good writer. I've I've written a thesis. Like I was always a good writer in school, and I've dialed yeah. it down because of you know writing a thesis is fucking hard work. Um, <laughs> so I'm a good writer. I seem to just and I and I've just managed to I can condense that article, take the most you know exciting things out, and put it into a LinkedIn post. Yeah. Um, and the idea was if I just so and originally I just wanted to send people to my website. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I had a little article, which so I stole the article, literally copy and paste, put it on my website, put the source, <laughs> linked it back to stuff or wherever I stole it from, yeah. and then put that little teaser on LinkedIn and then sent people to my website. Because yeah. I thought, oh, they'll look at my website, see the houses I've got for sale, might follow my mailing list, which yeah. no one ever really did. Um, they'll just read the article, and then that's it. <laughs> like I sort of looked at the analytics, and no one was looking at anything else. I was like, damn it. <laughs> Um, so, and then I realized LinkedIn was just taken off. So it was like, it went but it away seems, from... It, it seems like a lot of people still don't know about LinkedIn in terms of how it can be used. Yeah. As as LinkedIn coaches or whatever they want to call themselves. Yeah, um, yeah. But for me, LinkedIn always kind of made sense because I'm a marketer. Like before there was all these LinkedIn gurus and stuff. For what I like, what I done was just sort of basic marketing. Yeah, you know, relationship marketing. So relationship marketing was something that was coming out and the was sort of popular in the literature just when I was doing my degree. It was like the next thing. Yeah. So it was away from just advertising and stuff to actually building relationships with your clients and then having a customer for life as opposed to just the next sale. Because marketing was very prim- when it was really primitive. It was just like make the sale. Yeah, to as many people as you can, and, and who cares about relationships? Because there's plenty of other people out there to sell to. But then it sort of moved into relationship marketing. So we, I read a lot of literature around that, um, and that was just the social media and, and 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 websites and stuff was coming on. So I sort of read a bit of stuff, and then sort of that's what I incorporated into LinkedIn. Um, yeah, and I guess that's where the LinkedIn local thing came from. Was just yeah, because that, that's actually pretty cool. Like I've. I've been meaning to go for quite a while. I'll be going to this one, the one cool. in November. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I've seen like your little videos and stuff that you've yeah, done. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty cool. Um, no, they are very cool. <laughs> so I'm wondering a... if someone's going to steal your idea though. Oh, well, what do you mean? Like, like is this is this a thing in other parts of the yeah, country? Yeah, yeah. So have you not seen the other other ones? Yeah, no. It's okay. Okay. So, so this isn't an original idea. No. You just stole it from someone else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good um, man. Good man. Well, Okay, so this was a sort of another real estate thing, actually, where it came from. So my LinkedIn strategy originally was just post Hamilton content. Yeah. You know, talk to people, be friendly, yeah. you know, build relationships. And I was interested in, in LinkedIn stuff because I like to learn. I've always been a learner. So for me, I loved going on LinkedIn and and learning about stuff. And that's sort of been a personal thing that I maybe have ranted about one or two too many times and I sort of get off offside <laughs> of some people because I'm very honest and and I'll just give my opinions on stuff. But sort of for me, I I don't like some aspects of what LinkedIn's turned into. It's turned in terms of what? very narcissistic. Um there's it's sort of a lot of people come onto the platform and sharing content just to be famous. 
Whereas hmm, I went any and, social media platform. Yeah, yeah, whereas where I came from when it was just it was lots of informational stuff. That's what interested me. That's why I was on the platform. That's sort of the, what I was creating. And yep. then it just turned into everyone doing a video of their face telling you how to trying to just be inspirational, motivational, or yeah, just some of that stuff. I'm just like, oh, I'd like some more informational stuff rather than just YouTube, you know, sort of YouTube Facebook y content. And, and the other algorithm is very good on LinkedIn. So that's why all this more sort of social media type stuff has come in because people have realized, shit, there's huge reach and potential on this platform. How do you, so, uh, yeah, because how does the algorithm work on LinkedIn? Like um, how do you even, how do you find out how the algorithm works? Do you oh, just Google it? Yeah, you can Google different articles and stuff. And it's kind of changed over the years. Um, and, you know, for trial and error, you sort of work out what works. And, and, and what learn, doesn't. Yeah. 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 So, and that's, so that's another thing, like the, the mega tagging, which I've commented on a few times. And, you know, the people who do that don't like it. Just, they're like, oh, I'm not that guy's friend anymore. Um, so, you know, <laughs> someone might do a post and then tag 100 people in it. Yeah, well, that's annoying. So then that, I like, hate it when people do it on Facebook. Yes. They tag me in something. I'm like, dude, I have no involvement in yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. And me? that's sort of my – and because I was starting to get well-known, I started getting tagged on stuff from people I've never even talked to or yeah, I yeah. don't even know who they are sometimes. I'm like, why is this person tagging me? I don't – and it's nothing un, I'm interested in. Can you a tag? No. And then oh, you, you, can, you can click on notifications to no, no longer follow that post. So then if someone comments, you don't get all, all the, the notifications. So, yeah, because for me, it got to a point where, you know, I have, I've got a job. I've got a couple of jobs, you know, and, and, and a life. And for me, it became quite a burden to be just all these notifications. I was getting at one point of people just endless stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think people kind of got the picture a couple of times. I was like, man, I hate getting tagged and stuff. And it kind of stopped. And so that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, because some people make their living out of LinkedIn, so they live on it. And so they just embrace that whole influencer, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Just yeah. trying to constantly drive engagement. And you do it through commenting. So if you comment on something, someone so likes and comments – Push so I'm not sure if it works exactly the same anymore, but basically, within the first few minutes or half an hour or whatever, the algorithm reads how much the initial engagement is. So it might send your post out to five percent of your connections, right? Or two percent, okay. or just the ones who regularly engage. Yeah. So then, if there's that original engagement, it pushes out to a higher proportion of your of your um, base, or if you've used a a hashtag, you know, more people who follow that hashtag or if someone comments on it there. Yeah, yeah. You know, how sometimes in your feed one of your connections has commented or liked a certain post yeah. and then it comes up in your feed. So then it keeps reading the engagement in the original. So after an hour, if it's like getting heaps of engagement, I might send it out even further. So the original going viral is, you know, for lack of a better word, is essential for its eventual push. Yeah. So if you post something, so I could post the same post at 11 o'clock. I used to be really particular about this. I'd only post at certain times. Now it's just too hard. Um, well, if you're real busy. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. And because you can't set a timer on LinkedIn posts like you uh, can with Facebook. Um, oh, can you? I didn't, I didn't they might, You might be able to do it through like some social media you know, Apple or something, but I don't use anything like that. I just post it straight to LinkedIn. Do you only use LinkedIn? 
primarily? Um, a little bit of Facebook, like I used to use Facebook. but then, You don't use Instagram or anything? Oh, I've got a personal Instagram. Um, but you don't use it to sell houses? Oh, or? I used to use it quite a bit, um, but I didn't. And I've got a few followers and stuff on there, but I haven't posted on there for a while because I was starting to go a bit wanky and doing the Instagram-y <laughs> thing. And like, it makes me cringe a little bit, to be honest. And then I sort of think, and I didn't get anything out of it. Like I wasn't getting any inquiries or leads. And I just thought, fuck, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. Um, and I don't use LinkedIn so or Facebook so much anymore because just heaps of real estate agents are using Facebook. And, I've, and when they called organic reach... You just have to pay for any reach you get yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And then I get so much more reach on LinkedIn and it's free. So it's like, why not focus my energy in this market? Because there wasn't really anyone doing what I was doing. when I And I so I did stand out. There's, a, like, there's still not that many real estate agents doing anything on LinkedIn or much on LinkedIn. Um, but I think because of, you know, it's been to the detriment of being an agent some of the stuff that I do because I get more well-known for being the LinkedIn local guy. It's like, oh, you're a real estate agent because I don't push the real estate. Well, to be honest, yeah, yeah, that's, well, I knew you as the LinkedIn local guy Yeah, and then I did a bit of digging. I'm like, oh, he's a real estate yeah, guy. But yeah. the funny thing was once I started looking to you as a real estate agent, all the stuff kept popping up on my feed about you, oh, <laughs> about right. real estate posts from you oh, okay. on both LinkedIn and Facebook. Oh, so, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's something to do with that. Yeah, It's interesting know. how that, because yeah, Facebook, I think, reads a lot of stuff off Google. So if you looked at my website, <laughs> probably started appearing on Facebook. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And so do you know what you – do you always want to do real estate or do you want to do something afterwards Well, you're not sure? Yeah. Because well, obviously you, you ran a business, so yeah, you know a bit about um, business. Yeah, well, I, I, I teach um, marketing part-time at Wintech as well and oh, take, okay. and take some – uh, mentor some students on like the research projects but that's just a very sm that was just one I did a management paper this semester was, yeah so my undergraduate was ma management and marketing um, oh, so I, right. I taught like an organisation organisational paper this semester um, okay and I'm kind of always doing little things on yeah. the side like I try and be a full time real estate agent but at times it can be quite slow so you're doing real estate and you're mentoring at Wintech and you're yeah. trying to run these LinkedIn local. Yeah, 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 LinkedIn local. I don't even get paid, like, anything. It's, it can be – and that's the thing, like, it's – I, I you how know. Long, how long does it take to just organize one event? Because um, oh. you have to organize a venue. Obviously, you've got catering. Yeah, well, I don't – yeah, it depends. Um, you have to get the word out. Yeah, so a lot of time goes into the promotion and stuff, which – that's why I say, because I do all this other stuff, it's to, to the detriment of, of my real estate business sometimes because a lot of the business that you do in real estate. So I always have one or two or three listings, which I can work. Yeah. Um, you so know, this is like a little side you know, hobby. Cause, cause, yeah, yeah, because when you've only got a handful of listings, you know, one or two or three listings, or, you know, sometimes I've had more, but which, you know, I've got to 10 listings before I had 10, 12 listings. God, that takes over your life. So, but when you've got two or three, it's manageable because you're not doing stuff all day. You're just getting the inquiries and you're doing the open homes and you're doing sort of behind the scenes stuff. So a lot of your time in real estate is spent prospecting for more business. Yeah. So that's all the phone calls. Some people might door knock. Um, a lot of people just, you know, they might call 50 people a day. Oh, you know, have you bought a house? Oh, what are you doing? You know, oh, you got a house to sell? Oh, you had someone to come look at it. Do all, so that more conversations you're having of that, obviously the more business you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, taking doing a LinkedIn local fucking takes up a lot of time. So I can't do some of that phone calling for business kind of prospecting. So then 
Um, so event to event, uh, yeah. So this last event, it's just so I booked in the date and the time um, when sometimes I've approached speakers first, but because I've been planning this with the university for a while, um, and they they said I oh, can you know do it in the performing arts center. I thought shit, it's a good venue and it's quite a, a busy venue. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so it's it not is. easy just to do it at any time. So I said, hey, you know. Can I do it on one of these dates? Because um, I usually do it on a Wednesday night because that seems to be a night that people can do. Yeah. You know, as opposed to Friday or Monday, you know, generally busy nights. And sometimes Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know, Thursdays are busy night with events and stuff. So Wednesday seems to hit the sweet spot. Yeah. That people can turn up on a Wednesday. Um, so I just said, hey, what, what Wednesdays have you got? Oh, this is the only one we can do. Sweet. Lock it in before someone else does. <laughs> and I'll worry about the other details later. Yeah. Um, so then, then I approached, and I, I didn't have a theme at that point, I think. So then I um, thought about a theme, went with a like, growth theme, and I, st- I started approaching people. Um, and, just, and because I hadn't researched, you know, because I didn't have a theme at the time and hadn't done any research, it was on the same night as the Deloitte's Fast 50 Awards in Auckland. Or, so that's oh. the Fast 50, I think it's called Fast 50, so... It's the national awards, so they have the regional awards. Yeah, yeah. So the fastest growing businesses all go to the national awards from the re- who win the regionals, and they, you know, yeah, go up on the stage. Woo, you know, you're doing well. Yeah. So anyway, a couple of businesses who I approached, who I was thinking of, because I've talked to them before and it hadn't worked out date wise, but they said, "Yeah, we're keen to do it." They they were going to the fast um, the Deloitte's awards in Auckland. I was like, "Oh, trash." So then, and there was, yeah, other things, you know, other people had other commitments they had to do. So I had to approach heaps of speakers. Yeah, yeah. Before I've actually locked in my four speakers now. Um, oh, wow. So that's a lot more time than that usually takes some, you know, sometimes the first four people I talk to, yeah, sweet, and we're done, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then sometimes if I've got to find more sponsorship. So university agreed to sponsor the event as well. So my venue and my sponsor were already sorted from the get-go. Oh, Okay. Where from the last event, which I did at Zilong, um, the venue were keen to go, but then it was going to be really expensive to run <laughs> compared yeah. to normal um, because they're going to do their Zilong quality because they, oh, they do right. like their high tea stuff has got yeah yeah you know, expense you know their their um, catering costs are quite a lot higher than what I've done previously because yeah. literally I've just got for a few events where they don't have a um, venue caterer. Mm-hmm. I've just called an external caterer to come drop everything off, and they've given me a good deal. You know, oh, it's okay. been like a thousand dollars for the catering, um, and I've been lucky that Ash, Ash from Eight PM, oh yes, has 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 been really good sponsor, and he's um, done the drinks at a few events. So it's just been, yeah, Ash has helped me out heaps, which has been really cool. And yeah, I've, I've sort of used one caterer, I think, for three or four events, and she's given me a pretty good deal on the number that we do for the catering, and she brings it in and drops it off, so it's, yeah, it's been good. So then I've done a couple of events where it's been Montana has been the caterer, and I've managed to get a half-price deal on the catering for one of those because um, I happen to know one of the director's wives from the gym. Oh, true. Which I didn't even know for a long time. Yeah. And like one day she mentioned it. And I was like, oh, you know, husband works at Montana. And she's like, yeah, he's one of the directors. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Never would have thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, everyone's connected here, right? Eh? Yeah, yeah. So they did me a really good deal. Um, and then, yeah, so 
the last event was yeah way more expensive than anything I'd run before and I was worried I wouldn't be able to do it and then I got a couple of sponsors um, at two and a half thousand each who paid for the catering oh wow that's cool yeah whereas sometimes usually because it's been sort of 1500 um, 2000 an event I've I've sort of split it up over sort of three hundred dollar to five hundred dollar sponsorships, and then had you know maybe five or six sponsors. Would you and, ever? And that, would you ever want to get to a point where you can make money out of this? Um, I don't think I can. I mean, I could start an that's, event. That's that's very genuine of you. Yep. To to accept that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess everything in business is about how you make money out of it, but. I guess for me, I mean, I don't make money out of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to make money yeah, out of yeah. this. <laughs> you do it. You do it because you like it. I guess yeah, you enjoy right. it. So for me, it's in a creative outlet. Outlet. I'm a marketer. Yeah. Um, and that's why I went into real estate. It's like, oh, I can just do my marketing. Um, and so it's a creative outlet for me to be a marketer. I'm, I'm good at. I'm good at running events. Apparently, God, actually, I was a, um, when I was a student, I was on the student committee, and I did events there. Oh, it was okay. just like barbecues and. Oh, yeah. Really small scale stuff, but you know they seem to run all right. Never fucked anything up. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, literally when I came up with the idea to do a LinkedIn local, I'd never run an event like this. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just like, oh yeah, do an event bright page. Get but some then speakers. I suppose with each each one, you kind of learn more and, yeah, and you yeah, make yeah. them better. And I and I yeah, I've worked out that actually I can and because people come, I guess you know it does really well. So so the back well, to the, how, how many how many went to the last one? Sorry. Um, oh. I think oh, it's it's hard to know because you do the, the the door and then people doing the door want to come and enjoy the event, so they only do the door for a certain amount of time, and then you know all the people who arrive later. Oh, you're right, really yeah. not sure, yeah. there, but I think the last one I had, including the speakers and the sponsors who who were there, um, and all the names that were ticked off, it was about one sixty. Oh, but okay. it, but there was probably a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's always hard to know one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but generally, all the events have been between 100 and and then one of them was probably close to 300. Okay. At the atrium at Wintech, that big space there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I did 350 tickets for that. Okay. And generally, it's about 80%, 80-90% turnout. Yep. As I say, it's hard to know you know exactly what it is. But um, yeah, back to the original LinkedIn local, because yeah. I think that's where, where yeah, we were sort yeah, of going yeah, yeah. earlier. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, so it was just, I had a conversation with a real estate agent one day and I wasn't getting a lot of leads coming in, even though you know people were liking my posts on LinkedIn and stuff. It didn't really bring me leads, which was as well, you know, because you get just known for LinkedIn. And where people do real estate business with a real estate agent they've dealt with previously or who they sold the neighbor's house or sold their friend's house. That's how you get your business is through doing the business. Yeah. So anyway, I, I was talking to an agent and he's like, oh, you know, he was new to the industry. And he had got a few listings come in. He was like, oh, mate, just, I just catch up with a, a friend a couple of times a week, sit down, have a beer, and just say, hey, you know, who do you know who's selling a house? Just do it that way because he just said he didn't really like the phone calls and all that stuff as well. And I thought, yeah, man, I need to do more of that. So um, I started having coffees with the odd person off LinkedIn um, just to have like, hey, you know, nice to meet you, and I, you know. <laughs> the house. But I'm never that good at that conversation because for me it's not a natural sales conversation. It's more just having to catch up and yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, you know someone who wants to sell? Whereas, you know, salespeople who just live and die of sales, like that's the first thing they ask. Yeah, you know? that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, those people who, and the people in the industry who they make all the money and they work 100 hour weeks, you know. Oh, insane hours. Basically, they're top tier of agents are the ones who work all day and they love it. Um, so, anyway, we, um, I thought, man, there's got to be an easier way than this. Just one coffee a week, and I thought, ah, you know, how about if I got all these people linked on in a room at once? I can meet more of them. Yeah. Um, and I remembered seeing a, this LinkedIn local thing, which a, um, a mate, Ryan the Lion, you may may be familiar with. Or he's an Auckland guy, um, quite well known on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Calls himself the Lion. So he he did a LinkedIn local Auckland. Okay. And so it had started in Australia not that long before that. Right. Um, so literally a lady, same idea as me, hey, you know, she just posted on LinkedIn one day, you know, do you guys want to catch up for, I'd like to meet some LinkedIn connections. Does anyone want to come down and have a coffee, this time, this place? Similar to how I do my, you know, monthly coffee, but she hashtagged at LinkedIn local. Okay. Um, and that just was obviously, you know, sometimes a brand is the deciding factor. It can just be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and LinkedIn totally. was just taking off, and obviously it was kind of like obvious what it kind of meant. Um, and anyway, someone, I think it was, I did an article about the LinkedIn local story. So it's, But yeah, someone in like New York and someone in London, I think someone in Paris, okay. who was like a second degree connection or something had seen, because you got about 15, 20 people turn up to her coffee and then did a post and some people saw the post and saw the hashtag and thought, oh, that's cool. And then so they did a LinkedIn, so they brought it to their cities. And so it was just like that, Snowball effect. Yeah. More people saw it. You know, same as I saw Ryan do one in Auckland. I was, and I thought, hey, what was that LinkedIn local thing that I saw? And I'd commented on it saying, hey, you should bring one to Hamilton or something, I think. Um, anyway, I messaged him about, hey, what was that LinkedIn local? And he sort of told me a bit about it and got me in contact with the lady in Australia who started it out. And, oh. and basically there was no rules or anything to it. You're not officially in endorsed by LinkedIn, no, nothing no. like that. It was just a, a, a brand, which LinkedIn actually took over in the end because it was getting big and a lot of people were starting to do co-branding and stuff. Oh, so LinkedIn right. wanted it to be sure that you you know put some rules in place that you can't do co-branding because yep. obviously it looks like there's an affiliation with LinkedIn and like yeah, all these yeah, random. Yeah, yeah. Yep, fair enough. So, um, so it really just took off around the world. Um, okay. And I was the, uh, the first, no, second, so I was the first one after Auckland. Um, and then Ryan only did one, or I think he did two events, and then a couple of other people took over, um, and they haven't had the same success and turnout that we've had in Hamilton. They've struggled a bit for turnout. What um, that is? Well, I think a lot of it's to do with being a big city with a lot of traffic, and then <laughs> yeah, well, that's so true. it's not it's as a convenient. Bit of a it's not yeah, yeah. So it's not like Hamilton where you can drive. 10, 15, 20 minutes max and you'll be there and there's like hardly any traffic. Yeah, yeah. You know, in Auckland you could be stuck in half an hour and hour's traffic and then get there an hour's late and just think, bugger, it'll go home or whatever. Um, yeah. So I've always kind of thought that if they did an Auckland CBD and just did a really CBD theme. Oriented. Yeah. And then so people who can walk in from the offices and just sign, and there may be one or two in the burbs, which they've done now. There's a North Shore one. Well, you wouldn't be able to just do one. You'd have to divide it into yeah, like, like a South one Auckland. to three. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's one Based on the on North areas. Shore now, one, which does all right. Um, and there's been, I think, one or one maybe in Tauranga. One or two, or there was an idea to do one, and there's been a couple in Rotorua. Um, I've seen there's a Hawke's Bay one. I haven't 
I don't think I've ever spoken to whoever's doing that, or they might have spoken to me once. But I had a few people approach me and ask me for advice and stuff because they saw my one. Yeah. Um, so I've kept in contact with a few of them. Um, Queenstown, I think, we're looking at doing one. Would that be Wellington? Uh, Wellington had a couple that did really well. Queenstown's a more touristy yeah, town, though, yeah, so, so I'm I not sure if it would work. No, no, I kind of thought there was a... But no, he was keen to, to do it, and it sort of just takes one keen person who drives it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and Wellington had a good turnout. They did a couple of breakfasts. And oh, the, okay. And they got a pretty good turnout to their ones. Um, but, the, yeah, the people haven't carried on doing it. Oh, Nelson. Nelson did a couple. I think they're doing another one. Or Tasman. I think they call it Tasman. Or, um Oh Christ, well, so yeah, Christchurch has uh, done. People Christchurch should, people should go. Like there'll be what we what we need to say is uh, people yeah. who are listening or watching go to the one that's close to you. Yeah, but they're all around the country. A lot of them aren't really much. going anymore. That's the thing. Well, Just someone to listening to this should start yeah, one in their area. They haven't done that well comparatively. I think some business models haven't worked so much. Well, you um, must be doing something right. Yeah, well, that's what I figure. But I'm I. <laughs> Try and put my finger. I, I think, hope I haven't jinxed it. Now. No, no. Well, some of them have charged um, because they haven't been able to get sponsors and stuff, and then they've just done oh, that at a local right. bar. And I think that hasn't worked as much. No, like, that won't work. I think for mine, part of the reason why is because I've moved it. So the first couple of venues were so I had it at Harcourts first, and then had it at Rico, yeah, which wasn't very exciting. But then ever since then, so we've had a different venue every time, and then I've had a lot of cool venues like Claudlands. Um, well, you wouldn't want to do it at like a bar, though. No, well, that's what it, I always thought. It's not the type of environment to do that. No, 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 no. And some people have, and I think that may be part yeah. of the reason why. Like, if it's held at a bar, I'd be like, nah, not keen, eh? Yeah. And because bars... Because then they charge as well. So for me, I was like, we've got to keep it out of the bar, because then you can bring your own person and do it cheaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop rocket science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, man. I might uh, wrap up there, dude, um, yeah. there's, unless there's anything else you want to oh. talk about. No. No, no. No, no. I did see that uh, you did a post on basketball about how there's more funding in schools for basketball really? than rugby. Well, you posted... No, no I don't did think I? you said it. I think you linked to some article that said oh. it. Oh. Because I'm guessing you're into basketball. Yeah, no, I love my NBA. I'm excited the season's just recently started. Yeah, um, yeah. Was this quite a while ago? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, no, I did I, pretty much stalk you. So oh, did you? yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because um, yeah, if, if you were friends with me on Facebook, you'd see that like pretty much the only thing I comment on is like all the basket, all the NBA pages. <laughs> well, I think I think I went on your Facebook feed yeah. and um, saw the, a couple the, of the stuff that things. yeah, the stuff that's public maybe. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Well, basketball's actually got a higher participation rate with males in high school than rugby does now. I wonder if but Stephen gets, Adams has gets a part no, to play gets in that. No funding. Well, I just, I just, just, I just had a guy on um, last week who is an up and coming MMA guy. He actually trains okay. with like Israel Adesanya, right, right. Carlos Hicks, and um, yeah, like MMA is another thing that doesn't really get much funding. And, no, and like the the champion of the world, like is, yeah, is yeah, a yeah. Kiwi and guy. a few prominent people as well. Yeah, so I imagine like the funding because I, I um so there's a professor in sports sociology. Because it's not an it's not an Olympic sport. 
And, and no, but it will be at some stage, yeah, I guarantee yeah. it. And that's where all the funding goes. Like rowing, like it's so much money. I had, um, so uh, Professor Holly Thorpe, she's a sports sociologist, but she's actually on the uh, board for the Olympic, right? International Olympic Committee. Yeah. And yeah, she was, she actually made some valid points about how sport is never fair because it's all based on funding, mm. right? And some countries use more funding than others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, true, that's, that's, that's valid. And yeah, and she was saying about Olympics and how it's declining in viewership. And they're looking at bringing oh, in... Oh, is that? Yeah, yeah, it is. So most people who watch it are 55 and over. Really? Fuck, I love watching Olympics. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's because young people... Like, they're talking about bringing esports into the Olympics. Yeah, like video to games bring that stuff. sort of... Yeah, because I guess... Yeah. Yeah, like breakdancing is becoming part of the Olympics in 2024, apparently. Well, like, she was, like, blowing my mind when she was on here. If anyone hasn't watched it, just even use the timestamps if you have to, but go go listen to some of the stuff she says. It's crazy. Crazy, mind-blowing stuff about sports. Yeah. Cool. I just dropped a bomb on you there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to look her up now. Yeah. Cool. Um, so if anyone wants to get a hold of you to sell a house or buy a house, yeah, where's, um, where's the best place to contact you? Just Harcourts? Um Yeah, 027-349-1873. Most oh. people send to... Whoa. Okay, mobile number. Most people okay. tend to like to talk to you over the phone with, with houses. Um, yeah. But, you know, my website, Daniel... Hopper dash Harcourts dot co dot nz dot co dot nz I think. All right. Well, if it's Jesus. wrong, <laughs> oh, just look me up on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll post the the best ways to contact them yeah, on on the YouTube. I don't channel. often tell people to to go to my website because <laughs> people yeah people just on LinkedIn is just happy to hang out on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. And then obviously, if that, if you want to come to the LinkedIn local event, when is it on? November the November thirteen. So November thirteen. And uh, if you can't make it to that, then where's the best way to keep up to date with the upcoming LinkedIn's af- LinkedIn local events afterwards? Okay, so, yeah, if, keen to check out Hamilton Growth, um, or Growth is the theme, and there's some really cool local business people. Anna Stratton, she's pretty well known. Yeah. Fashion designer, she's got like stores all across the country. Okay. She is, she'll be there amongst um, three other local business people. The story, so they're actually a um, they hosted an event. Oh um, right, okay. so they're a big IT company who are in Auckland and they've come down here. And oh, now okay. they're now based out of Sky City, which we had the event there. Yes, um, and they they um, are now a joint venture. Well, I think they might have brought out a company or something anyway. But now they've got their two businesses in one, and they're they've got like a two hundred staff. So Mike Jenkins. Um, yeah, he'll be speaking from them. Bill Neal, who started Sweet Ass Popcorn. Sweet Ass Popcorn? I don't yeah. even know what that is. Don't, what is oh, it? don't you? You're not up with it. Yeah, see, neither nah, did man, I. man, I'm, I'm getting old. Neither did it really did I until I heard about them. I think I read something that they were growing heaps and stuff, and I looked them up, and I thought, oh, yeah. And okay, now wherever right. I go, I notice that it's Sweet Ass Popcorn. All right. Like, you'll see I'll, it now. I'll, I'll look up Sweet Ass Popcorn. Yeah, no, next time you're at, at the movies, you'll be like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, they have it at the movies. And then I'll message you. Pretty much the only popcorn at Pack and Save they, they sell is Sweet Ass Popcorn. Okay. Um, well, maybe I just know what it is, but I don't know the yeah, brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he started out in Raglan, literally cooking it in his garage and selling it at the local markets, and then... Had oh, a factory okay. and then had a few factories and now he's exporting popcorn overseas. He's a popcorn man. So Bill Neal, he'll be there. Um, and also I've got Kylie Harcourt, who isn't actually from Harcourts. Um, Ironically. She, yeah, yeah. She started HGB 
marketing company with another local business lady. Okay. Um, I think 2011, 2013 they started, and now they've got like 15, 15 staff, like all sorts of marketing um, staff. And yeah. So, yeah, no, so four pretty cool businesses, a range of different things as well. So, nice. so Eventbrite is where you get the tickets through, but um, you can find the, the events on my Facebook page. So, if you just look up, um, Daniel Hopper Harcourt's on LinkedIn, on Facebook. Yeah. Or look up LinkedIn Local and like the events, you're about to just find the ticketing link through there or on my LinkedIn profile. And there's also a LinkedIn Local Hamilton page on LinkedIn. If you just look up LinkedIn Local Hamilton, okay, you should be able to go to the page. Um, and also the hashtag, <laughs> hashtag LinkedIn Local Hamilton. Okay. If you put on the hashtag, you'll be able to see heaps of content from previous events. Okay. Um, and then you'll also find a link to my website where you can, yeah, a page on my website, which your link. Um, there's a LinkedIn local page on there where you can put your like email into like a, a just a little form, and then you go on, you'll go into my database. So when tickets to each event are available, I send an email out. Okay. To the database. I think you're on the database. You would have got an email. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm definitely on the database. Yeah. So yeah, literally cool. as soon as the Eventbrite page is ready to go, email goes out. Um, and tickets usually don't last very long, so. No, no, they wouldn't. And for anyone who is listening to this or watching this that is not from Hamilton, just check out LinkedIn Local for your local yeah, yeah. area. Hopefully there's one. Yeah, hopefully there isn't one. <laughs> hopefully still there doing isn't, it. Maybe you should do one. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Start one. Cool. All right. Uh, well, um, make sure you share, like, and subscribe. Uh, yeah, and keep an eye out on LinkedIn Local. Until next time, stay safe. Oh, this is, this oh. is on YouTube? Yes, it is yes, on YouTube. You can watch videos of previous LinkedIn local events on my YouTube page as well. Okay, boom. There you Daniel go. Daniel Hopper Harcourts or something. No, just Daniel, yeah, I don't know, something. I'll post the link. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. Thanks, everyone. All right. Bye. See ya. Cheers.